This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. A new report from multiple Native health groups documents major oral health disparities within Native American and Alaska Native populations. It cites what it says is structural racism as a barrier to dental health care. Today we're going to talk to Native dentists about their profession, what draws them to work on people's teeth, and what it takes to improve oral health for Native people. We're all about big smiles today, right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes in Northwest Montana are planning to build a local meat processing plant to expand services for local hunters and ranchers. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton has more. The tribes are applying for a $7.6 million grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to help build a processing plant on the Flathead Reservation. CSKT Planning Director Janet Camel says many local ranchers can't keep cattle through the winter and are forced to sell animals out of state when local processors are too busy. And so they sell to brokers in the fall and um, don't get, get as much money as they, you know, believe that they should be getting. Camel says the processing plant would also provide services for tribal subsistence hunters who struggle to find meat processing services. The tribes plan to harvest bison from the National Bison Range when managers need to thin the herd. That meat would be distributed through tribal food programs. Camel says the tribes are reliant on the USDA grant to launch the project. The USDA is set to announce awards for tribal projects across the country this fall. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton. The Winnebago tribe of Nebraska's Ho-Chunk Village Housing Development is one of nine recipients of a 2023 Honoring Nations All-Star Award from the Harvard Kennedy School Project on Indigenous Governance and Development. Deborah Van Fleet has more. The village is a project of the tribe's Economic Development Corporation, Ho-Chunk, Inc. Lance Morgan, founder and CEO of Ho-Chunk, Inc., says a unique type of planning has gone into Ho-Chunk Village. It's designed to be a walkable community for health purposes, but making it a denser community is helpful from the affordability standpoint. We have a lot of units overlaid over a very small amount of infrastructure, which is very unusual in a rural community. Morgan says having a master plan for the village has allowed them to fill in the pieces to create a cohesive community over time as funding has become available. Phase two of the village is now underway. The Ho-Chunk Corporation has built a few hundred new housing units to date. When tribal members buy a single-family home, they're given the lot and down payment assistance, and the house is built at cost. Morgan explains, because the tribe has bought the land for the building lots, removing it from federal trust status, homeowners have a greater opportunity to build generational wealth. We have a system that is pushing all levels of housing, from homeownership to low income to elder housing to young college professional type, everything. We run the gambit. Morgan feels theirs could be a model both for tribal and non-tribal communities. Jonathan Taylor agrees. He's a research affiliate at the Kennedy School Project on Indigenous Governance and Development and site visitor for Honoring Nations Award candidates. Ho-Chunk Village stands out for pioneering a walkable multi-use development on an Indian reservation. And Taylor says Ho-Chunk Village is a lot more than a housing development. 
the village provides critical infrastructure for reversing Winnebago brain drain in ways not possible relying on federal housing programs and permits the tribe's growing middle class to live near where they work and contribute to community life. I'm Deborah Van Fleet. The Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians in North Carolina will vote this fall on whether or not to expand marijuana beyond medical use on tribal lands for people 21 and older. The Associated Press reports at a recent meeting, the Tribal Council agreed to put it on the ballot for voters to decide. The tribe decriminalized possession of small amounts of marijuana in 2021 and formed a business plan to grow and sell cannabis at a dispensary still under construction. The tribe's election is set to take place in September. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Nobody likes a crowded highway. A crowded crib is even worse. For a safe night's sleep, use a fitted sheet only and be sure there are no toys, blankets, or pillows around your baby. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help with advice and resources. See what SBA can do for you. Go to sba.gov start. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. Poor oral health has far-reaching and lifelong implications, and a new survey adds to the long line of research documenting oral health disparities for Native Americans. The report lists some strategies and solutions like recruiting more Natives to the field of dentistry and conducting more research specifically focusing on Native populations. Today we'll hear about the need for recruiting and retaining more Native dentists and what else can be done to improve the oral health divide. Join our conversation. Could visiting a native dentist change your perspective about your own oral health? How frequently do you visit the dentist? Is good oral health a goal for your family and your community? We're ready for your call. Just tap 1-800-996-2848 on that keypad. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our first guest is speaking with us in our Albuquerque studio, Dr. Darlene Sorrell. She's the president of the Najoni Smiles Board and the first Navajo dentist and also a founding member of the Society of American Indian Dentists. Dr. Sorrell, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Joining us from Portland, Oregon, we have Dr. Chloe Craig. She is the Y East Dentistry Program Manager at the Oregon Health and Science University School of Dentistry. She's also an at-large board member for the Society of American Indian Dentists, and she is Cherokee. Dr. Craig, welcome. Hi, thank you. And from Tucson, Arizona, we're joined by Mariah John. She's an undergrad student at the University of Arizona and part of the Mayo Clinic 2023 Native American Pathways Program. She's Navajo. Welcome to Native America Calling, Mariah. Hi. Oh, yate. Thank you for having me. Yate. 
Dr. Sorrell, I'd like to begin with you. You're in our studio, of course, and I just, I just got to ask. I always want to know whenever I talk to a dentist. Uh, do you like going to the dentist yourself? I just went yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, so. Then knowing what is going on is very helpful, and and the dentist I go to um, ask me <laughs> about what my opinion. So, so yes, I I don't mind going, um, depending on what I need. <laughs> There you go. Well, you know what? I actually have a dental appointment later this afternoon. I've got to get a <laughs> filling fix. So I guess I'm, I'm up to speed as well. Dr. Sorrell, how long have you been practicing dentistry now? 38 years. <laughs> Congratulations. It, wow. And what led you to the field? I, um, it was it, when, when I was in um, grade school, they did screenings at the school. And when they did the screenings, it just impressed me when they told me that if you brush your teeth, the bleeding will stop. My gums would always bleed because we never went to the dentist. I was one of nine children. And so my gums always bled. And so I went home, probably found the only toothbrush we had, and started to brush my teeth. And long behold, the, ble- the bleeding gums stopped. And from there on, I was just like, what else do I not know about? And um, it has always, it kind of built from there. So it was in, it was in grade school, just that person at the school um, sparking my curiosity about, about teeth and dental care. And of course, um, you know, my family, they never went to the dental clinic. And the, and the idea of my parents was you only go if it hurts and you have teeth taken out. So it was a whole new concept to overcome to actually brush your teeth and um, to keep your teeth for the long run. Only go if it hurts. I think a lot of folks kind of prescribe to that that philosophy, especially with, with COVID, I think it made it tough. A lot of people just, for whatever reason, didn't go to the dentist for a few years. And a lot of the clinics were closed. Um, and some of them are, you know, slowly opening as of last year, um, slowly opening and um, are in recovery stage. And, you know, the clinic that I work at, Nizhoni Smiles, that's where they're at, is in the recovery stage of COVID, the COVID aftermath. Now, Dr. Sorrell, we just mentioned this study by the CareQuest Institute for Oral Health, and it highlighted this broad gap in oral health for Native Americans. Now, in your 38 years practicing dentistry, does that jibe with what you've seen out there in the field? Absolutely. Um, I was the clinical director of the programs that I was a part of in the Indian Health Service, so I would attend conferences every year on the status of American Indians, and every year, three times the dental disease rate compared to the general population, and it never changed. The last conference we had, which was with Society of American Dentists, I attended the same statistics. And so, yes, it, it is a problem, um, and it, it they, the pride is that it hasn't um, gotten worse, but it definitely has not improved. And why do you think that is? Why is it so hard to, to move the needle on, on improved health care for Native people? Well, access to care. The Indian Health Service, you know, I've been part of them. I love them. I think they're doing the best they can with the funding that they have. Funding is so, so short. They're, they're funded to fail, basically. Um, and so that's one of the problems, access to care. 
Um, patients just don't have access to care if Indian Health Services are only um, avenue. The other, the other problem is that um, a lot of patients are Medicaid eligible. Um, the patient population that I'm currently working on and the Joni Smile have Medicaid only, and um, a lot of programs don't accept Medicaid in the private sector because they reimburse at the 50% level, and you can't survive on that when you're trying to keep your doors open. So I do understand the reason for that. Once you get access, then, you know, easy access, I think it would make a big difference. The third thing that I feel like is education, just like I got that exposure when I was in grade school, getting out into the community, the schools. Right now, a lot of the schools have shut down access because of COVID and because of other things that are happening at schools. So it's very difficult to get into the schools, but just getting out into the community at a very young age and exposing them to just dentistry. I saw a little child um, in preschool holding a, a set of teeth, you know, plastic teeth and brushing it with a toothbrush. And I thought, that's <laughs> where we need to get started. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Sorrell, if my memory serves me correctly, you actually created like a, a dental health youth outreach program a few years ago, didn't you? Well, I'm, I'm constantly involved with um, dental outreach programs, trying to make it as easy as possible to expose those that are interested in dentist, dentistry to shadow, whether it's dental assisting, dental hygienist, dentist to shadow, to give them that exposure. Um, and so I've always been involved. The, the main organization that I have been uh, um, involved in and in reaching out is actually Society of American Indian Dentists. They go out to Gathering of Nations. They, they get involved in a lot of things. I'm very open-minded to doing stuff like that. And going back to the CareQuest study, what else does that research uh, say about overall barriers to oral health care for Native people? Well, one, one of the um, information that, is, that I've read is that they, they feel like there's some sort of um, um, uh, unconscious bias, I guess, when they're seeking out dental care. And um, in some ways, I think that it, it, it may not be entirely um, definable because they, it's very hard to get into a lot of Indian Health Service dental clinics. So that may be interpreted as because they are American Indian, they are getting less care. Um, same way with Medicaid. A lot of programs don't accept that, and American Indians, um, a lot of them are Medicaid eligible. Um, I just think that, you know, being an American Indian dentist, just like myself, we want to make things better for the mm -hmm. people that we feel comfortable with, that we grew up with. So that's why I think it's really important for us, like myself and others, to continue to try to make that, to change that, to make a difference. Well, the report does mention discrimination playing a role in, in preventing some of these access to care issues. And earlier you talked about how even though folks might be eligible for Medicaid, a lot of these private providers won't accept it. I mean, 
would you use a word as, as strong as discrimination to to explain perhaps some of those issues that folks are having with getting care at private providers and other places? Most of the time when I'm calling private providers to find private providers that do like root canal treatment and the services of that nature, um, they don't ask about um, the the what nationality a person is. They they're usually asking about coverage. So I I don't think that if they if a person has the money they'll they'll take them, but if they don't have the money, which um, you know there's a lot of financial insecurity on especially the Navajo Nation people just trying to find jobs and, and make ends meet, it, it does have an impact on their health and oral health care. So what I I think you're saying here perhaps the the issue here is just uh, an economic issue more so than a racial issue with regard to Native people and accessing dental care? Um, I wouldn't go that. <laughs> you okay. know, during, during my lifetime, I can give plenty of examples of, of unconscious bias, um, not only from um, na- native, non-Native people, but also Native people. Um, one incident is, you know, well, it, it's, it's actually changed, but in the Indian Health Service, People from headquarters were visiting at my first site on the Hopi Reservation, and I introduced myself. I, I showed them around the clinic, and we were all done, and they said, when is the clinical director going to be here? You know, and I was uh, standing right in front of them. Yeah. You know, so unconscious bias does exist, but my experience for access to care is if you have the money, you're going to get it. All right. Words from Dr. Darlene Sorrell. Uh, president of the Nijoni Smiles Board and the first Navajo dentist. And we're going to hear more with Dr. Sorrell as well as our other guests when we come back from this short break. Bruce Lee introduced martial arts to Western audiences. Along the way, he developed a significant Native American fan base who connected with his fight for positive representation and against oppression and injustice. Fifty years after his death, we'll recall Lee's legacy as a film star and as a person. That's on the next Native America Calling. Yalta. From round dance to exhibition dance, you always come prepared. Why not do the same with your health? Schedule your wellness visits and never miss a beat. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov slash coverage or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I can't. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Dental health care is our focus today. Do you see a dentist regularly? If not, what's holding you back? And what would it take for you to visit a dentist more often? Let us know by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our first guest today is joining us in studio, Dr. Darlene Sorrell. And Dr. Sorrell, we have a caller on the line right now, and this is an individual I think you know well, Dr. George Blue Spruce. He is the Assistant Dean at the American Indian School of Dentistry at the University of Arizona, and he is a retired Assistant U.S. Surgeon General. He is Laguna and O.K. Owinge Pueblos, and spoiler alert, he is also my dear uncle. 
Uncle George, Dr. Blue Spruce, hello. Thanks for calling in today. Well, thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate uh, shows like yourself that uh, are trying to put uh, oral health care on the map in Indian country because it surely is still lacking from the early days. I, I've been a dentist now for 69 years, and uh, like Dr. Sorrell just mentioned, uh, we've come a long way, but yet we uh, have a long way to uh, uh, go to uh, reach parity with the non-Indian patient who has access to care, who can uh, 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 appreciate the, the value of uh, oral health care. And uh, we're in the process of trying to catch up with uh, the non-Indian uh, uh, dental uh, uh, provider and the uh, non-Indian uh, patient who have very much, uh, 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 well, relatively better care than a lot of, lot of populations. But mm-hmm. the American Indian still lags behind. And uh, so the Society of American Indian Dentists, which I uh, uh, am now uh, president emeritus, I was the president of and founder uh, along with Dr. Sorrell, and uh, we have been in, in uh, existence now for 33 years. Okay. And, uh, Dr. Blue Spruce, earlier Dr. Sorrell shared that she has been a dentist now for 38 years. Do you remember when you first met Dr. Sorrell? Yes, um, uh, way back in the uh, 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 early 80s, uh, I used to be an invitee from the Association of American Indian Physicians, of which your father, Dr. Burl Blue Spruce, was uh, a co-founder. Well, the Association of American Indian Physicians used to invite me to their annual conferences to serve as a uh, as a, a, um, a person who uh, uh, ran uh, mock interviews with the students that had been identified as being interested in dentistry. And this particular uh, conference was uh, uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the University of New Mexico. Uh, I had this conference, and I was asked to be one of the uh, interviewers, and Dr. Sorrell, then Darlene Sorrell, was uh, thinking about becoming a dentist, and I interviewed her, and hopefully I was one of the reasons why she continued on the pathway, and uh-huh. she became one of the very first American Indian dentists, and as you said, the first Navajo dentist. Wonderful story. Wonderful story, Uncle George. Thank you for calling in. Again, my uncle, Dr. George Blue Spruce, Assistant Dean at the American Indian School of Dentistry at the University of Arizona. Dr. Sorrell, do you remember that that first meeting with with George Blue Spruce in Albuquerque? Absolutely. Um, It it, uh, made such a profound impact on me that uh, I will always remember it. and, And it encouraged me, especially at a time when you don't know that there's people out there that actually um, believe in you and support you. And that's really, really important. And that's what we hope 
that we continue to bring through the Society of American Indian Dentists is that there's people out there that are ready to um, do what's needed in order to help you, you know, reach your dream. And that's what Dr. Bruce Bruce did for me. And Dr. Sorrell, now you play that role for other young aspiring dentists and, and dental health care students. And, and what do you tell young people now, young Native people who are interested in dentistry? Don't give up. <laughs> you know, there might be some small barriers, like I, I mentioned unconscious bias, but don't let that um, keep you from um, continuing to move forward. And I always tell them, you know, if you feel like giving up, here's my phone number, you know, I'll, I'll answer it and, and see what we can talk about. Even if it's delaying it a little bit, you know, just don't give up. And I think that's what Dr. Bruce Bruce did for me and the Society of American Union Dentists did for me too. Well, tell us more about your clinic, Najoni Smiles. Najoni Smiles is the only nonprofit dental clinic on the Navajo Nation, and it has 14 dental chairs. It's very in a very isolated place, Shiprock, New Mexico, and it um, is in the recovery stage of COVID, from COVID. Um, it was the whole Navajo Nation was impacted severely by COVID, and the, the clinic itself is... It, I don't know if it's going to recover. <laughs> I, I'm not giving up, but there, it has lots of financial um, concerns right now. And so, you know, we're, we're rebuilding it. And I, it ha like there's, there's lots of um, dental disease that needs to be addressed. And I just can't give up on, you know, having access to 14 dental chairs in um, a building in order to try to make an impact. So I hope that um, a year, two years from now, I'm, um, you know, there continuing and, and it's thriving in a healthy position. Now, 14 dental chairs in the past pre-COVID, were most of those dentists working there at uh, Najoni Smiles, were they native dentists? Um, there, there actually were not that many. It's the only dental program on the Navajo Nation that provides braces, which is another great, I think, great service. Um, but no, we've, we've actually are building the program. The program, there was one Native American dentist there um, in the past 10 to 12 years, and um, most of the others were not Native American. So we are building the program. I have, I have about five students that are pre-dental that I'm uh, mentoring right now, and I, I've got my hopes high. Mm. Well, Dr. Sorrell, I know your time is limited today, uh, duty call, so I just want to thank you again for, for coming into the studio and, uh, and just being an inspiration and a role model for so many people. Um, your, your reputation is known far and wide and in Indian country. And I, I remember when I first met you, Dr. Sorrell, it was in 1986 at an Association of American Indian Physicians meeting in Albuquerque. And you, you attended that meeting as a dentist. It was in August of 1986. Wow. <laughs> wow. I remember meeting you, but I don't ex remember the exact year. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, I was just a kid. I was a teenager. It was really cool. But yeah, well, thank you again, uh, Dr. Sorrell, and um, just keep inspiring. Will you please? I will do that. And and um, you keep doing these things, exposing the um, our population to information that I think is really important. Thank I you. I will. I will. You bet. You bet. Dr. Darlene Sorrell, 
president of the Najoni Smiles Board and the first Navajo dentist. Let's take another caller now. We have Grace, who is listening in northern Wisconsin on WOJB. Hello, Grace. Hey, thanks so much for taking my call. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. As, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I might have to. As a retired pediatrician, I learned early on about the importance of helping families take care of their own teeth so that their babies would not catch the germ that causes dental caries and end up with baby bottle mouth. And um, when the babies would come in for their first well child checks, I'd, the moms would smile at me, and you could tell who had um, gingivitis or the, the gum disease from their swollen gums. And I would talk to them about how important it was for them to brush and get rid of those germs that caused that before their babies got teeth. And the next time they would come in to see me, they would smile behind their hands. And I'd say, that's not going to work. We're going to look at your gums anywhere, and I, and I still need you to brush your teeth. And I want you to get aunties and grandmas and other people who are going to care for your baby to brush their teeth, too, because we're going to protect your baby's teeth. And uh, I was just so impressed with how well families would rally around this little one to take care of the little one. They took care of themselves. And then... Other families would come and tell me the stories about why they were learning to not have bloody gums anymore. So it was it was lovely to hear that story from your um, from your dentist, and it's it's wonderful to hear about her her path. And I want to encourage young people listening or their parents to get these kids off to dental school and to medical school to be pediatricians and dentists and take care of our communities. Grace, thanks for calling in and uh, appreciate that shout out there to Dr. Sorrell and uh, encouraging folks to, to pay attention to their, their dental health for sure. And at this point, let's go to our, our next guest who is Dr. Chloe Craig. Again, she's up in Portland, Oregon, and she's an at-large board member for the Association of American Indian Dentists. Dr. Craig, um, we just had a caller, Grace, and she mentioned baby bottle mouth. Can you tell us more about what exactly is baby bottle mouth? Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, a lot of people don't know that this can happen when you put your child to sleep with a baby bottle with milk um, and the way that the baby sleeps and the milk lays on the teeth. It really eats away at the outside of the teeth um, and causes cavities, which need to be fixed. Um, and so it's it's really something that um, we're working towards in terms of prevention, you know, working with nurses like she spoke of and pediatricians to get the education out there so that our little ones, you know, aren't going through that as a child. Cause we really want to focus on prevention rather than interventions. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Prevention for sure. And Dr. Craig, what, what motivated you to become a dentist? So I, I kind of had some wild teeth as a child. I have a pretty small mouth with really large teeth um, and they were just everywhere. So I got made fun of a lot and I pretty much grew up in a dental chair as a patient. And my dentist and orthodontist were extraordinary. I mean, they were patient. They were kind. I never experienced any fear or anxiety. 
and it gave me confidence in myself and drastically changed my life. So I knew that that was what I wanted to do as a career path. Now, earlier we heard Dr. Sorrell share her journey to dental school and how she was recruited. How about you, Dr. Craig? Were were you recruited by a program or a specific dental school? What led you into school? Um, You know, I really had a lot of doubts in myself in terms of if I could make it to dental school. Um, No one in my family had gone to college before me. So I didn't know how to navigate those things. Um, Unfortunately, with my Indian education program, they helped me to apply for scholarships. And I decided to pursue a degree in Native Studies. Um, You know, I had people along the way to guide me and to say, you can do this. You can make it. You know, ignore people that think that you can't. You're going to be the first. So um, those indigenous professors that were willing to read my personal statement before I put in my application to dental school, the ones that were there with me, you know, to apply for scholarships and say we're going to find a way. I mean, I had so many people supporting me through that process. Um, I, Your uncle is probably my greatest mentor of all. Um, deciding to go to dental school in Arizona, somewhere that, you know, really acknowledge the need for indigenous dentists and to be able to work underneath, you know, the first Native American dentist, that was huge. And that's really shaped why I've transitioned into academia so that I can try to pave that way the same as he did for me. Dr. Craig, when I think of, of dental care, you know, I think of like cavities being filled or, or somebody getting braces. But I mean, there are just so many different issues that, that can happen with regard to oral care, so many different diseases. I mean, what do you see as the, the most prevalent issues with regard to, to Native people and issues with their teeth? Um, I would say that there are just you know, there's all of these other things that happen in our lives, right? Especially during COVID-19. It's been incredibly stressful, you know, the economy and the stress on our finances. And in terms of our needs, sometimes the last thing that we think about is brushing and flossing, right? Because there's so many other things that are going on. Um, And then in terms of Nutrition, do people have access to healthy foods and the cost associated with that? And if you're working constantly, how do you have the time to cook nutritious foods at home for yourself? So all of these things impact oral health and they're all really important issues. Um, But I think that sometimes it just gets put on the back burner because people don't like to go to the dentist um, and there is a lot of fear and I'm just going to be judged or told that I'm not doing enough and I'm really trying my best. So I think that's where we are a little bit different as Native dentists is we understand all of those issues and those things and 
we're working with our patients and we're compassionate to try to achieve these goals together. It's not a forceful, you know, this is what you need to do, do this type of conversation that, you know, existed years ago. It's much different nowadays. And Dr. Craig, just for our listeners, uh, FYI, how many times a day should we brush? I brush every time I eat, so that's my recommendation. <laughs> After every meal, you make sure. So you must carry a tooth a toothbrush with you everywhere you go. Oh my goodness, I do, and floss because I will tell you, if you just learn to implement that in your daily routine, you will not have cavities, and you will never have to, you know, experience needles or drills or any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Needles and drills. Well, if that isn't incentive enough to brush and floss, I don't know what is. We're having a great conversation here today on Native America Calling, learning all about dental health from a Native perspective, and we're talking with dental health professionals. If you have a question or a comment from one of our guests today, or you just like to share some ideas with regard to dental health care, what are you waiting for? Our phone lines are open, 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Smoking gave me COPD, which makes it harder and harder for me to breathe. I have a tip for you. If your doctor gives you five years to live, spend it talking with your grandchildren. Explain to them that your grandpa's not going to be around anymore to share his wisdom and his love. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. I'm running out of time. COPD makes it harder and harder to breathe and can cause death. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about recruiting more Natives into the dentistry field. When was the last time you had an appointment with a Native dentist? Do you think a Native dentist is better qualified to work on your teeth? Or does it even matter who your dentist is, provided they're competent? Share your thoughts on the air by calling 1-800-996-2848. Plenty of time left to take your call. The number again, one 800 996 2848 We've got Dr. Chloe Craig on the line up in Portland, Oregon. She is a native dentist. And Dr. Craig, I just posed the question, you know, is it important to have a, a Native American person taking care of the teeth of another, of another Native American person? And I want to ask you, does it make a difference? I think it absolutely makes a difference. I mean, you know, when you are a Native dentist and you go into a clinic, all of a sudden your schedule is booked out for months. People are excited to meet you. You know, there's this trust, there's this understanding if you're going to make a referral that you're gonna follow up on it. You know, you're really invested in your patients on a personal level because we know what it's like to navigate those healthcare systems and challenges. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, I think it's crucial um, that we see more Native dentists and we can take over our tribal clinics and really improve things for our people. Let's go back to Dr. George Blue Spruce. Dr. Blue Spruce, since you became a dentist nearly 70 years ago, you were the first Native dentist. How many dentists are there, Native dentists are there now today? That number varies, uh, and uh, you can take your pick of uh, the data 
that comes from the American Dental Association, uh, the data from the American Dental Education Association, and I believe very firmly that their numbers are skewed and uh, they are counting other than true uh, federally recognized native uh, uh, dentists that have gone through dental school. And so from a count of over 500 that these other organizations have uh, uh, provided as their uh, numbers, I have to uh, uh, argue that because our uh, definition of, uh, of an American Indian dentist is, first of all, the Native American term is getting, uh, getting skewed because a lot of people are saying, well, I'm born in Arizona or I've been born in uh, Wyoming and uh, we're a part of the United States and so we're native to America. And so uh, we should be called uh, Native Americans and uh, get some of the benefits that these American Indian uh, students and American Indian dentists that are getting. So I'm a very diehard proponent of uh, the term American Indian versus uh, Native American. And so uh, the uh, count that we have through the Society of American Indian Dentists and through my school, the Arizona School of Dentistry and Oral Health, is that we're just slightly under 300. Almost 300. Almost 300. Thank you, George. Thank you. Let's take another caller. We have Jen listening online in East Texas. Hi, Jen. Hi. I am so happy to hear this program. And I, I, my heart just really goes out to, I'd love to see that those 18 dental chairs or 14 dental chairs filled and hopefully they can get a funding from a private source rather than, you know, we know they're not ever going to get enough money through the legislature or so forth. But my father was Cherokee, but his father was English. His mother was Cherokee. And when I was young, a young mom, I promised my son that he, if he ate right and he, uh, drank his milk and he brushed his teeth, then he would not have cavities. Well, he had a cavity very early in his life. And the dentist explained to me that really sometimes things are passed down through the genetics. And and so is that really, really true? I mean, I know my teeth are not as great as some people's teeth, and they, although I take good care of them. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, Jen. Let's ask uh, Dr. Craig. Dr. Craig, um, genetics, how big a factor are they in in terms of the overall health of our teeth? Yeah, I think there's definitely um, a genetic component to it. A lot of it has to do with bacterial transfer. So um, it's really important that, you know, the people in our little one's lives understand that their mouths contribute directly to their baby's mouth. So if you're sharing spoons or drinks or anything like that, um, if you take your child to the dentist regularly and focus on prevention, but you don't focus on yourself, um, that can definitely contribute to dental cavities for your child. So we like to focus on the entire household. Um, I know that 
a lot of times as caretakers, we put children first, but it's just important to take care of yourselves as well. Thank you, Dr. Craig. Our next guest is uh, in Tucson, Arizona, and she's an undergrad student at the University of Arizona, Mariah John. Hello, Mariah. You doing okay? Appreciate your yes, patience. I, I am doing good, getting inspired here. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, tell <laughs> us more. I mean, why do you want to be a dentist? I want to be a dentist because I grew up on the Navajo Nation, and I experienced firsthand the need for more Native American or American Indian dentists. I want to fulfill that need. I want to be the dentist my parents, my elders, and the people of the Navajo Nation deserve. And ultimately, I want to make my grandfather proud. Um, mm. I'll bet he's proud right now. Well, tell us more, Mariah. I mean, what was your experience growing up and navigating the dental system there on the Navajo Reservation? Oh, yes. Um, growing up and experiencing the dental care it was kind of hard and um, to maintain and to obtain on the Navajo Nation. Um, there's a local IHS that I went to or a private practice in Gallup, New Mexico. But for a small office, there's thousands of patients, and some of them can't get seen the same day or get seen soon enough. Well, tell us more about dental school. Um, where, where are you hoping to be accepted? And uh, about it's a three-year program, right, just to get the actual DDS degree? I believe it's four, um, depending okay. on what program you choose. But my heart is set on... APSU, the Arizona School of Dentistry and Oral Health in Mesa, Arizona. All right. Well, back to Dr. Blue Spruce. Dr. Blue Spruce, that's another recruit for you. Mariah John, coming to your school. Yes, and she sounds very promising and one that we want to join our profession and for which she'll be very proud of, to be a part of. And the rewards that she'll receive as an American Indian dentist are just overwhelming. Thanks, Dr. Blue Spruce. Let's take another caller now. We have Yaya, who's listening on station KUNM right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hello, Yaya. Hello, half a day. I represent the Chamorro people, uh, the Flying Proa families from Medizo, Guajan, also known as Guam. And um, I am calling because I'm inspired by the conversation of of recruiting and, and uh, summoning more Native dentists um, we, the Flying Proa families, are not, the Chamorro people are not federally recognized, and I, being a survivor of human trafficking, never received dental care throughout my life uh, until now I'm in my 50s. And uh, I wanted to share that um, it we took the effort of and the help of my partner's health insurance um, and her family finally came together to get me um, health care for, and I have met a, a dentist, Dr. Lafferty, who has the cultural sensitivity to work with me and has actually done a, a lot of uh, community service back in Guajan. Okay. And so um, I just wanted to share that my story that we some, a lot of us, um, especially now being federally recognized is that going up a river in a bucket and no paddle. So, um, but seeing the difference and the transformation in my health and feeling more healthy um, as 
and as a dedicated parent, I always focus on the oral health of the, of the children and put myself last. And I just wanted to thank um, your circle for having this conversation and how much uh, okay. we need native dentists in our communities, uh, whether we're federally recognized or not. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thank you for calling in and uh, and sharing those those words as well. And and Mariah, listening to our caller talking about some of the challenges that he's faced, does that just inspire you more to want to follow through and become a dentist? Of course, because on this journey, you know, um, being a young Native student, it's kind of, um, you have your doubts and you have your low confidence, but hearing patients that say, yes, yes, be a dentist or family support and community support, that is, that's important to me, and it helps me um, stay motivated. And Mariah, is your ultimate goal to practice dentistry there on the Navajo Nation, or are you thinking about perhaps going elsewhere? Um, right now, I have plans to be a dentist on the Navajo Nation, but I'm open to uh, visiting other tribes and helping them as well. And any interest in, like, specializing in perhaps... Um, being an orthodontist or an oral surgeon, or do you just want to be kind of a general dentist that takes care of teeth and fills cavities and does root canals and things like that? The possibilities are endless. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be a general dentist. Right now, that's the goal. But oral surgeon, uh, periodontist or orthodontist, all that just sounds so fun to me, and I want to get into it. I want to learn more. Mm Mm-hmm. And growing up, when you would go to the dentist uh, as, a, as a young person, I mean, did you ever imagine that here you would be a few years later and now you're in the process of getting ready to apply to dental school and, and you're going to be a dentist someday? I mean, did you, did you have that dream way back then? I did not actually have this dream. I actually wanted to be a nurse. And um, I actually went to an AT. Still, that's the Arizona School of Dentistry and Oral Health, the PAW program, the pre-dental admissions workshop. And I heard your uncle, Dr. George Bruce Bruce, speak and how he empowered me to be a native dentist. And that just spoke to me. I said, yep, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to go about it. And I'm going to make my parents and my people proud. And what advice do you have to other young people like yourself who are interested in in dentistry? I would say explore and uh, network with local dentists if you can to shadow and see what they do because you won't know if you like it unless you try it or you see it firsthand. It's scary, but you can do it. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. And then what about the cost? Because it's not cheap, is it, to to get a dental degree? Are there programs available to help with that? Oh, yes, there's a lot of scholarships out there for Native American um, inspiring dentists. So it's just kind of trying to search for those. And even the schools offer scholarships as well. Okay. So if everything goes according to to plan, um, when do you expect to get your dental degree? If everything goes good and planned, I hope to be a dentist by 2028 or 2029. Okay, well, that's just going to be right around the corner, right around the corner. 
Mariah, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we're going to have to wrap up the show here in a few minutes. But I do want to pivot back to Dr. George Blue Spruce and, and Uncle George um, regarding scholarships and other sources of funding for aspiring dental students. Can you share with our listeners what some of those opportunities are before we wrap up? Yes, the, there's a high priority being placed on scholarships for uh, physicians, native physicians. Uh, dentists and and uh, and pharmacists, and uh, the scholarships uh, have some priorities. And we're talking about the American Indian uh, Scholarships Incorporated out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is one of the the bigger ones. But the biggest one of all is the one that I wrote the legislation for, and the Indian Health Care Improvement Act of 1976. And that's the one that gives a scholarship to uh, American Indian uh, dental students and with the proviso that they return to an Indian community as a payback for the $40,000 a year that they receive uh, funding for to go through dental school. And to go through dental school is four years uh, and uh, of the 70 dental schools in the United States, I'm very pleased to take this opportunity to say to all students interested wanting to become dentists, get in touch with our school, Arizona School of Dentistry and Oral Health, and we'll do everything we can to get you into our our school, of which we have 76 uh, 76 seats available every year. And uh, we're getting very popular because we're really, really living up to the name of our school, uh, School of Dentistry and Oral Health, because now we are really preparing our students for all the phases of, of dentistry. Well, thank you, Dr. Blue Spruce. This has been a really timely conversation. We are out of time now, but let me thank all of our guests that joined us today, Dr. Darlene Sorrell, Dr. George Blue Spruce, Dr. Chloe Craig, and Mariah John for getting us up to speed on oral health issues impacting Native people. And remember, don't forget to brush and floss daily or after every meal, perhaps. Hope you'll join us on Native America Calling again tomorrow as we remember martial arts star Bruce Lee and his connection to Native audiences. Have a great day. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help. SBA wants to see you win. They want to see you grow. They have been so helpful and so resourceful. Thanks to the SBA, my business is thriving today. Make sure you get in touch with SBA and you will definitely be on your way to a winning path. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. Support provided by Amerind. Amerind is 100% tribally owned and partners with tribes and their businesses to provide affordable commercial insurance coverage, protect tribal sovereignty, and strengthen Native American communities by helping to keep dollars in Indian country. Information about property, liability, commercial auto, and workers' comp available at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanic Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.